welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the mediabias.com. Joining me today is TJ. Yo! Brent. Hello. David. Hola. We are recording another one of these uh, via teleconferencing apps. So we're going to go through what we've been watching uh, in this trying time and uh, let you know some news because the news has changed from everything is terrible and everyone's dying. Well, there's still some of that. RIP Bill Withers. Um, to, uh, you know, some, some more some more cheery stuff. Um, Screen Rant, though, is struggling. I'm just now seeing yeah. <laughs> the top three articles in Screen Rant are Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Why are the aliens clowns? <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> Writer's choice. <laughs> the Flash's 1990 show references create an Arrowverse plot hole. How realistic is Mount and Blade 2's representation of medieval combat? <laughs> like, screen rat. I'm sorry. We finally have the time to delve into these long-held mysteries. So, <laughs> I, was really thinking, I was really thinking about the Arrowverse plot holes. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> Look at this headline. No Time to Die is finished and unlikely to change. Is that, that's a not headline. <laughs> Here's Things will continue to be the way they are. <laughs> Here's the news about the new Bond movie. There's no news. <laughs> I think my all-time favorite, and, and I don't even think this was necessarily during a period of no news, but the, there's one of my favorite headlines of all time is uh, was a uh, Yahoo News headline that just said, Britney Spears, not most successful female. <laughs> it's like, that's news? She's not the most successful woman, period. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane that that passes for news i saw a an onion article that made me laugh and immediately sent it to tj and it is not uh appropriate <laughs> so be forewarned if you have a a uh, a a weak constitution but it was like a buzzfeed style headline <laughs> and it said like eight unbelievably cute child soldiers <laughs> <laughs> you won't believe number seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, gotta have a follow up ready on that story. Nope. What's what's our podcast again? <laughs> we have to wallow in that for a little bit. Um. Yeah. So let's talk about what we what we've been watching and um, to kind of buck trends. I'm going to nominate myself to go first. Second, I watched a brand new movie. It's on Disney Plus, and it is the new Pixar movie, Onward. Did anybody else watch it? I did. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, how'd you like it? I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah. I mean, it's a Pixar movie. It's good. Yeah. Big the, shock. Yeah, Pixar does it again with the... I mean, they have like an, an unbelievably high floor uh, for quality. And I was really not looking forward to this movie. It just seemed like, you know, fluff and nonsense. But it is a really touching movie. Yeah, from the commercials, it made it like really seem like it's the DreamWorks version of a Pixar movie. Right. Like, right. Just like silliness and, you know, they're always going to hide the, sounds like they're hiding the tear jerking that they're about to do. Good. Yeah. It's good that it's uh, you know better than it looks because it's on Disney Plus now and it was in theaters a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, they are great characters. I mean, it, it, you know, Pratt is playing stereotypical, like, slacker, but kind of like a new, not really new, but like an archetype of slacker that didn't really exist in like 90s and 80s media where he's like a slacker, but he's like a D&D nerd. Like the never moved out of his parents' house. Like the mom even laments at one point, like this is one long gap year. Um, and then Tom Holland is like a 16 year old kid in high school, like dealing with that shit. But yeah, I mean the two drinker stuff. I also thought they they hit it. But then when I thought about the trailer and what I knew about it going into it, it's like it tells you everything. The they like the dad died and then made a spell so that they could see him one more time. Like, I feel like the recipe is there. It's Chekhov's tears. <laughs> I think it was gonna happen. You said Chekhov's tears, right? Yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little like digital strain on the audio. I mean, it's not like you said like Jackoff's tears. <laughs> <laughs> the tears of a Jackoff or even sadder. Um, uh, but, but even with those tears that you can kind of see coming from a while away, they, they do kind of subvert the expectations of, of how they're going to arrive. And, and I, I did appreciate that about the movie. I thought that's the, the big emotional payoff in the movie is uh, one of the highlights of the movie for me. And it's, uh, I really did enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I really liked the, the, the climax. Um, both like the action scene out of nowhere. Like it's a pretty subdued movie. Like typical road trip t- style hijinks. Uh, mm-hmm. with a little bit of a fantasy bend to it. But then, like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much, but then there's, like, a big set-piece action moment that, like, holy fuck, you can tell that the Pixar animators, like, were busting ass on that. It is a little reminiscent to me, and this isn't going to spoil anything, but in uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, like, the big Ralph Golem, where you just look at that mm-hmm. and you go, this is obviously very talented animation. <clears throat> yeah there's there's, yeah. A, there's a moment like that in the end that's just like okay i see they're flexing their muscles and it looks fucking fantastic also this movie has a lot of the the pixar wit to it that you that i think really sets it apart from some of the other animation studios in that like there's just little touches here and there that are really funny like uh um i, I don't know i think that uh there are some elements to that to the monster they fight in the final fight that are really uh really oh, yeah. funny and i think i know what you're talking about yeah and there's several and and it's uh it's there are a lot of moments like that in the movie where you're just like oh yeah that's a nice little pixar touch that you just get used to seeing from them over the years that i think maybe i don't watch a lot of dreamworks but i have never gotten that same sort of uh level of craftsmanship from dreamworks animation yeah I was gonna I wonder, is there like it's like the fairy tale uh, setting of, but it's kind of modern day, right? Like, yeah. yeah. The the premise like, is pretty, that. <laughs> this is making for great radio. I'll, I'll just go. the uh, yeah. The premise is that uh, this was the you know fairy tale uh, high fantasy. Um, land at some point with elves and dwarves and, and all the things and uh, um, over time they created the technology that we have and then they got used to that technology and a lot of their magical 
powers and whatnot have basically atrophied. And so even though it's, you know, families of elves and, and whatnot, they, they don't know that they are a magical race anymore because they have phones and cars and computers and the internet and whatnot. And so it's, it's kind of commenting on uh, maybe the, the, the way we, a lot of our ingenuity has, has possibly atrophied over the years due to our reliance on, on modern life. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. there, uh, does anyone have a, like, are there some fun puns in there of fairy tale mixed with real world in there? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's like one of, one of the, uh, like secondary characters is a cop who is a centaur. Who's like this, like fat stereotypical cop with a whole centaur body who like refuses to uh like people make like the the kids make fun of him that he doesn't that he drives around in his cop car because he's you know a horse basically Mm -hmm. Um, which is it's very difficult for him to get in and out of because he it is a it is a human you know as a as a cop car built for a human but driven by a centaur yeah nice those yeah. kind of Pixar jokes are always the ones that hit, or the ones that it doesn't seem like it took a lot of, like, comedic effort to write. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the animation is what kind of pulls it off a lot. Yeah, but I would, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's also not like one of those Pixar movies that's like too heavy for kids, so I think it's it's great for that. Um, but it is, it is, it is. I don't know. I think it might be in like. It might just be because we're in such like a, a new content drought um, that I'm ranking it higher. But I think I, I would give it four and a half stars and probably rate it in like maybe near the bottom of my top third of Pixar movies. Um, mm. So not like the best, but it was just a really charming, well well animated, like sincerely funny movie. Yeah, I would probably, I probably have it only slightly lower than you do like it's probably if i had to break pixar into thirds it's probably near the top of my middle third yeah so i mean it's it's certainly not down there with like well i've i've never seen any cars sequels so i don't know how bad those movies are they're in the bottom yeah (laughs) that's what i would imagine um but it's just uh i recently rewatched uh finding dory and i like this movie better than finding dory um and so I, i think I don't think this is one of their like big, like big idea, big movies that are, that we're going to be talking about 10 years from now is one of the best Pixar movies, but I do think it's a, it's a, it's another solid entry into the the Pixar canon that I think everybody should see. Yeah. It's it's a very simple movie. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is, it's a road trip movie Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's a road trip movie that is disguised as like a video game style quest, Mm -hmm. which is just what road trip movies you know, essentially what road trip movies are. Well, cool. I look forward to watching it. Hopefully it's age appropriate for a two year old. Cause I need uh, content to share with my kid right now. I'd use a two hour break and sounds like this would be it. Well, cool. That's all I want to talk about. So, you know, Kelly and I kind of, once we launched the Disney plus app, I kind of opened up like a, I pried the cover off of a, a, a like a, a manhole on the, the sewer system. And she made me watch Brink 
This was her second time making me <laughs> attempting to make me watch it. I fell asleep the first time. This time I was in and out. See, Brent, you're looking confused. What is a brink? <laughs> See, that's exactly it. The movie came out in 1998. It was a Disney Channel original movie. And so it missed us. Like, we yeah. weren't in the demographic. Not just because, like, I know that David and I didn't have the Disney Channel because Disney shipped, shifted over to uh, pay, like, a pay, like, premium service. To cable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's an aggressive inline skating competition movie yeah starring it's a very popular subgenre is the movie aggressive or is the inline skating aggressive the type of inline skating okay yeah i don't i don't know that um man i did not think i was going to actually talk about brink (laughs) there keep going yeah uh brent what's your favorite type of inline skating passive really passive (laughs) next week we're gonna all watch brink and the topic is our top five aggressive inline skating movies. <laughs> whimsical, maybe. I'll 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 tolerate whimsical. Whimsical. <laughs> you should check out uh, on the Wikipedia page. It's like the person who wrote, created, produced, directed this movie got really defensive at some point because there's a big chunk on Wikipedia under reception where it's like every time that movie's been ranked. And it's like, well, it was ranked the uh, number three all-time uh, Disney Channel original movies. And like, oh, and this other like variety also ranked it like 17. And MTV ranked it, uh, you know, 10th of 99. And it's like, chill out, Brink. Like, no one's really taking you to task. We're also saying the title wrong. It's not Brink. It's Brink! <laughs> so, so, in my attempt to uh, look on Wikipedia for aggressive inline skating, which has its own page, there is a page for that. I instead ran across aggressive mimicry, <laughs> which uh, I cannot recommend enough, mainly because the uh, image they choose for aggressive mimicry is uh, just an artist's rendering of a humpback angler fish. And boy, that guy does look aggressive. <laughs> uh, so. I, thought, I thought it would be like Marcel Marceau with like a shotgun. <laughs> Man, this person uh, from somewhere, Collider, made the same joke I did. She said, Brink is a classic, and it's potentially the best aggressive inline skating movie ever been committed to film, though it also might be the only one. (laughs) But yeah, so we were watching it, and Kelly was like, I wonder what Eric Von Detten is doing, which I had two questions. One, who's Eric Von Detten? (laughs) Natural. and two, what like like if if we don't know who he is, not that we are experts, but the four of us have like pulled together like a pretty pretty sizable knowledge of movies, both good and bad. Uh, I don't think it's good, uh, whatever he's up to. Uh, but what Eric Von Detten, who was apparently like a Disney Channel like sweetheart, like he was in a bunch of their TV shows around like the late nineties, early two thousands, he is now uh, working at a rare minerals asset management firm so i really think that he's like fucking killing it <laughs> his uh his last role was uh reprising uh character he originated sid from toy story in toy story 3 <laughs> yeah he's the voice <clears throat> of wow. sid phillips on the wikipedia page for aggressive inline skating they have uh, a description of skates themselves which features a uh, a chart with 13 different parts of the skate and how, and their definition and purpose. Uh, got wheel, not wheel. <laughs> Those are the two I can make. 
wheels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought it was called really when thing. you remove the brake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is insane. Yeah. So um, I also watched <laughs> right after that because Kelly was torturing me. Because what better time to test the new marriage um, by making <laughs> me watch Smart House? Which are you aware of Smart House? Nope. All right. <laughs> it is. Uh, about the house of the future that this kid enters a contest and they win and they and their single dad move the a brother and sister and their single dad move into this house and it's like awful uh it's got katie seagal playing the voice of the it's basically like alexa if, if there's like a google smart home or like amazon smart home uh except there's like a really terrifying thing that happens it's the only thing i really want to talk about the house ends up keeping them hostage because what's best for them because you know human beings are the actual virus whatever um but whenever they like make a mess like they're like oh don't worry the floor absorbers will take care of it and like things just get like sucked through the floor to clean them up at what at one point the kids have like a rager you know a middle school rager so there's like popcorn and like chocolate bars everywhere and the smart house pat uh, is like, don't worry, just throw it all on the floor and I'll take care of it. And then the floor absorbers take it. But then I was thinking, what happens if you're standing on the floor? <laughs> like, it, you get, it absorbs like, you. <laughs> right? Like, do you just get like sucked into it, like run through a cheese grater? Like, I don't, I don't know. But don't. Well, Aubrey Page from Collider appears on this Wikipedia page too, <laughs> where she calls, uh, Smart House, the perfect Disney Channel original movie, and ranked it at number three. <laughs> it's perfect. Perfect. No, no, there's a qualifier. It's the perfect Disney Channel original movie. But it's ranked number three of Disney Channel original movies. Correct. Yeah. Other movies, there are two others that are perfect. Or that are more than perfect. Yes. This is like me ranking like my perfect ways to get a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this, this this film was directed by Lavar Burton. Yeah, it was funny. We were watching it, and I was like, it like came on, and I was like, oh, it's directed by Lavar Burton. And Kelly was like, yeah. I'm like, you didn't fucking know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so these movies are meant to entertain children, and they're awful. And so torture adults, and the effects are bad, and they don't hold up. Like this is a different Disney that was operating then. Uh, than is operating now. So that's what my week's been like. <laughs> Who wants to go next? I'll go. I watched one movie. <laughs> A 2020 release uh, that is cemented in my bottom five for the year, unless I watch five half-star movies. <laughs> that would need to happen. Uh, I watched Doolittle on VOD. Ooh. Yeah. The... Uh, Climax, the heartfelt climax of this film is pulling a uh, large set of bagpipes out of a dragon's butthole. A dragon? Yep. <laughs> yep, that happens about 20 minutes before the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> how's, it connected to the, how's it connected to the Doolittle Extended Universe? What is that? <laughs> any any uh, Eddie Murphy... Diane's or Rick's no, so 20% of the movie I did the math is either pulling bagpipes out of a dragon's butthole or explaining that in this version of Dr. Doolittle 
he doesn't just hear animals talk. He speaks all the different animal languages, which from a little bit of research is apparently what happened in the book. And they felt the need to do that in this one. So it's a lot of Robert Downey Jr. being like, or whatever. Oh, whatever no. animal sounds he thinks are animal sounds, none of which are very accurate. He doesn't even know what a human sounds like in this movie. Much less. Yeah. It's it's really, really fucking bad. There's a point where his ship sinks and you just don't give a shit. And it's like a sad <laughs> like score playing and it slowly sinks and there's just nothing there. And his son dies in it and his whole family and there's orphans. And you're just like eh. cheering the whole time. <laughs> yeah. No, uh yeah, it was just an absolutely abysmal movie movie. Is, is it s- set modern day or is it set like No, he's a novel. Uh, uh Queen Victoria has been poisoned with nightshade, a young Makes Queen sense. Victoria. Yeah. And uh the only way to cure her is to go find a special fruit from an island where a dragon keeps things in his butthole. As as a dragon would. Yes. Um, I feel like we're moving pretty quickly through some of these points where we should. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they picked nightshade like a real thing. It's like everybody knows the other way to cure nightshade is this glowing magical fruit from the middle of the ocean. Right? Yeah. Well, so the bagpipes, are they just like in the way? So the dragon's just uh, ornery because he's got a, a infected colon. From eating too much armor and shit from humans. Okay. <laughs> and shoving stuff up his butt. <laughs> so uh, they, uh, he tells the dragon this exact bit of dialogue if we don't work on it now, it's going to become septic. To which the dragon replies, like, just do what you need to do. <laughs> the dragon knows what septic means. <laughs> <laughs> so then they uh, put the dragon on his side and him and a talking gorilla. Pull shit out of its butthole for about five minutes. Wait, you, you can't be loose with the word shit in this context. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there's like a oh, good 10 second fart joke in the middle of all this. Yeah. And is Robert Downey Jr. screaming dragon this whole time and it's subtitled? Because that would be the best. He's just like, uh, no, he does speak dragon, which apparently is just blowing raspberries, though. That's how dragons talk in this in this universe. Well, in all universes. Very creative. Very creative. But you get every time a new animal is introduced, you get that before they just start talking in English. You get Robert Downey Jr. talking to them like quack quack if it's a duck. Just in case you every forgot. time. Yeah. <laughs> every fucking time. Um, but apparently it's not even a special ability. He just learned this. Like at the end, he just starts teaching people how to talk to animals. Hmm. I'm sorry, TJ. The bagpipes played for like 12 seconds and they got him out of the dragon's butthole. <laughs> it was real weird. Can I ask a sensitive question about this movie? Yeah. Why did you watch it? Why? Yeah. Because I woke up today and realized I had the, nothing to talk about on this piece of shit podcast with y'all, so I watched something new. <laughs> Stop trying to blame us. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, didn't you watch Vivarium? Uh, oh yeah, I did. I forgot about that. I thought I watched that before the last podcast. You might have. We just didn't. May not have talked about it. Yeah, yeah. I watched Bavaria. It was way better than Doolittle. <laughs> there were no bagpipes, no dragons, and surprisingly, no buttholes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't get any Jesse Eisenberg beehole. 
not related to plot anyway. <laughs> you're just like staring at the, the window wistfully. <laughs> I think you're remembering the time before I watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I, gave, I gave you a segue. Somebody else talk about something. I'm done with movies. <laughs> Who wants to go? I can go. I got movie, one TV show, one video game. I'll line them all up. Um, on, a, on a whim, I watched uh, Something Wild, Jonathan Demi movie from 1986. Um, when we did the Demi, uh, we did a Demi podcast, I think. Um, we did Mantrain Candidate remake. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was re- one of our first episodes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I realized I had a couple that I hadn't seen before, you know, being a big fan of Silence of the Lambs, uh, Rachel Getting Married, a couple of those other ones. Stop Making Sense, obviously. Um, this was one of his earlier ones. Um, I think it was this one, then Married to the Mob, then Silence that he did. Um, it's got Jeff Daniels, Melanie Griffith as like uh, Melanie Griffith's like a manic pixie psycho girl who takes a yuppie for a wild ride, you know, over a crazy, you know, couple days. It's one of those things. It's it's he's a real eighties uh, yuppie. You know, he's got like a, a car phone. He's he's got a suit and tie, and he's talking about you know financial stuff, things I don't know about. Yeah. And everyone's just telling him, you got to start living a little by, you know, committing Grand Theft Auto and petty larceny and all, you know, stealing and have guns and stuff. So um, it's a pretty interesting movie. Uh, Daniels is really good as being uptight yuppie, as you'd probably expect. He's, he's got that, uh, that the arrow in his quiver. Melanie Griffith is actually really good in it. Um, have you guys ever seen her in Working Girl or anything? No, I haven't seen a lot of Melanie Griffith. I think the only movie that I've seen her in that I can recall right now is Milk Money. Remember that movie? I do. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she had a reputation as like a, a really good actress, especially in the 80s. And I'd never seen anything that she was really good in. I saw Working Girl like a couple months ago. It's really good. Really recommend it. And been wanting to see this movie too. Uh, I think I saw it on Prime. Um, yeah, the, she, the writer, uh, Emacs Fry, he won an Oscar for Something Wild. Um, was also nominated for Foxcatcher. That was the last movie he wrote. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good, uh, but I'm bearing the lead because the, the best thing about the movie is Ray Liotta is a psycho ex-convict who is like, uh, this is just perfect Ray Liotta character where he's, he's incredibly charming and charismatic, and then he is like insanely scary, intense. Um, this is like before Goodfellas. I don't know what he was in before this, but it's uh, it's a great encapsulation of Ray Liotta being the way I picture Ray Liotta to be in real life. You know, incredibly scary but entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also got a great great soundtrack. Um, like a lot of like dub music, a lot of uh, early hip hop and and other stuff. You know, he's uh, Jonathan Demme's got a good way with music. And it does that same thing that uh, Sounds of the Lambs and Maturing Candidate and all those things do. There's a, a sequence that's got like first person camera where yeah. they're l- actually looking at the camera and it's trading perspective. Kind of some early hints of uh, what he was going to do a lot more later on. But I recommend it. It's a pretty, pretty fun movie. That was his second film ever, Ray Liotta. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's, really, uh, he's really doing his Ray Liotta thing there. Yeah. Um, that, that was when Jeff Daniels was really kind of a 
burgeoning star it seemed like because he was in like turns of endearment and mm-hmm. purple rose of cairo like right before that i think and uh and played the straight man a lot too from interviews i've seen with him like i've seen him talk about dumb and dumber being kind of the turn for him uh it was a real weird role for him to take whenever mm-hmm. i watch jeff daniels I, I always feel like he should have been a bigger star than he was like not that he was you know like an indie guy or, or anything like that but just that I don't know. He kind of had like the, I feel like maybe he was a guy born too late because he would have been, I think a just monster movie star 40 years earlier. He had this. Even like the seventies. Mm-hmm. I think he would have done a good job. And he's, and he's part of that Emmy, like crazy year for best actor. It was Cran- the year Cranston won, I think, but the other nominees were uh, him for newsroom um, John, John Hamm for Mad Men, like and then the final season of Mad Men, and Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey for the first season of True Detective. Mm-hmm. Just a monster year for Best Actor at the Emmys. Yeah, I really like him. I like his movies in general. Yeah, me too. This this shows him a good range. He's kind of manic and comedic, but also like serious, and you can see him hold a gun. I feel like you don't usually get to see Jeff Daniels hold a gun and be. He's great in these later years too, except in small roles. Like he was fantastic in The Martian. Uh, not mm-hmm. the Martian in Martian. Um, is it the Martian? Yeah, it's the Martian. Martian. Yeah, but yeah, he's still working. Keep getting them checks, Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the movie I saw. The TV show I saw. We finally banged out the last few episodes and have been watching uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Has anyone been uh, keeping up to date on this season or finished it? Yeah, I kind of go hot and cold on Curb Your Enthusiasm. The last season that aired a couple of years ago, I thought was actively like not good at all. It wasn't funny and it was just kind of obnoxious and um, I was pretty out on it. But this season, uh, I thought it was, it's uh, kind of returned to form. It's it's really good. Um, and uh, through through the, you know, the season is always, it's, you know, it's very improvis- improvisatory, but uh, they're linking all the things that they're laying breadcrumbs for, you know, in the, in throughout the season and the finale, it starts off with uh, um, Larry David's opening a spite store because he gets like irked by customer service at a coffee store, and you know it's just kind of funny. All of his little Larry Davidisms, like the things he prefers, he puts into a store. Like uh, he doesn't want toilets in his coffee shop. He starts a coffee shop because you know he just doesn't, doesn't like people defecating. <laughs> so it's like just urinals. And like uh, it'll be elevated ramp to the urinal because like you know you get you know splash the pee on the ground you don't want to step on that and it's just all all his like little uh, little peculiarities you know get fueled into his uh, his store it's really funny and the uh, the finale has a bunch of people opening their own spite stores got a bunch of cameos like Jonah Hill opens a diner because. You know, they didn't serve him coffee. Like, uh, Myla Kunis opens a watch store, like a jewelry store. Um, they do just do a, uh, a series of uh, um, celebrity cameos there. But it's it's, uh, it's it's pretty return to form. If you ever got turned off of Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, I recommend this this season, as long as you're okay with a little bit of uh, Larry David being a, a butthole and kind of an asshole type comedy. Um I'm going to resist the urge to say pretty good the way he does, but it was pretty good. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, it's, I've, I've never been warm on that show. Yeah, I, no. I've seen episodes and like some individual scenes that I think are are funny, but like you have to watch a whole episode to like get there. It's just so painful, so often. Yeah, yeah, totally understand. Um, it's definitely that kind of show. It's you. It's either your show or it's not. Um, this season's pretty good. It is helped by uh, JB Smoove is in. Uh, you know he's he's living in Larry's house as uh, his friend Leon Black, and he's he's pretty hilarious. He's in a ton of scenes, as much scenes as like uh, Jeff Garland would be. You know his, his uh, friend and manager or something, Jeff Garland. So yeah. JB Smoove is uh, is excellent this season. Good, good counterpoint to uh, Larry David and calling him on some shit. Nice. <laughs> but, what about your video game? The video game I played is a demo and kind of coinciding with this upcoming Friday is going to be the release of uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, I was going to say I've played the demo a couple times of Final Fantasy VII opening bombing mission. Um, I was originally not going to get the game when it came out. You know, I'm a discount gamer. Wait till it's like 20 bucks. Yeah, but uh, you know what else am I gonna do right now? Yeah, I'm gonna buy the game. Yeah, I, I said the same thing to myself about Doom Eternal, and then when all this mm-hmm. shit started going down, I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna buy it. I'm gonna pre-order it. I never pre-order anything, just so I can install it before the game comes out. Right. Uh, Chris, did you ever play the uh, the demo? I didn't, uh, specifically because I don't want to. Well, I, I know I'm going to buy the game mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't want like a different intro. And I know that they also are squares really good about if you play a demo that it'll let you, if you buy the full game, pick up where you left off from completing the demo. Um, but I kind of just want all of it together. Yeah. This one they're doing there. There's a specific disclaimer that it's not going to carry over into the real game. That it's a, uh, I don't know, discontinuous demo, but um, you know, I couldn't resist the urge. It was, uh, it's just really fun to basically just walk around and not e- just ignore the mission, sightsee all the things that were like weird um, bit maps and polygons back in the day, fully realized, and full creative um, investment in it. So I'm, I'm just basically pretty excited for. Or Friday when the when the remake comes out, even if it's only Midgar, you know, it sounds like it's going to be enough. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty packed game. Did you like the the new combat system? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty intuitive. Um, it took me a while to beat the uh, the uh, the boss um, with the doing tail lasers and whatnot. You know, it just takes a long time using a lot of potions, using a lot of a lot of magics and materials and stuff, but um, it's uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of like Final Fantasy 15. The battles were kind of the most fun part for me, whereas some some role playing games it can be tedious when you start uh, when you start going through world maps and you don't you know, kind of get sick of the the battles after a while. Um, it kind of reminds me of that style of gameplay where. You, know, you get full, full mobility. You can do all kinds of stuff. You can do the magics, the items. The you have uh, limit breaks. You can do. You also have special attacks you can do that are kind of 
almost limit breaks using up it's kind of like chrono cross style battle where you're using up some active gauge and you kind of save it up and can use a big attack or some small attacks but uh yeah they have, the battles ended up being pretty pretty fun and i don't get sick of you know just beating up shinra grunts and mono laser little fighting guys and stuff so cool. I would recommend buying the Final Fantasy remake as probably millions and millions of people are going to do. <laughs> Continue uh, to do what you're doing. New your endorsement. Going to make make it for them. Yeah. Continue as you were. It's my official take. Well, cool. Well, Freezy, want to hit us it, with your watch list? Sure. I'm just going to – I watch a, a lot of crap, and so I'm going <laughs> to only focus on things that I liked. Or things that were so excruciatingly bad, they're worth mentioning. Um, but I'm going to start with something that was pretty good. And it was a 2020 movie that I watched, uh, directed by Gavin O'Connor, called The Way Back. And this is a, it's a Ben Affleck stars in this movie as an alcoholic construction worker who is asked to come step in for uh, the coach the basketball coach at his alma mater, his, uh, the Catholic school where he went to high school. And, uh, um, he, it, it's, they're, they're a terrible team. And, uh, it, it's very, um, it's very cliched and tropey in the way that a lot of movies are, but it's also really well done as far. It's a really good example of one of those kinds of movies where, uh, a coach who has problems finds a team who has problems and together they help each other with their problems and they learn how to win together. And he learns how to be, uh, to cope with some of his issues. Um, it's a little darker than most of those movies because of his, uh, his, his storyline and his, and, and you find out why he's kind of a broken man. And, uh, it is, it is a sad movie in parts, but it's also, uh, really well done, really well acted. Um, I think a lot of the credit goes to the director because he he directed Miracle, which I know a lot of people like. I've never seen Miracle, but I know oh, yeah. it's it's real. It's regarded as a really good sports movie. He yeah, also yeah. directed Warrior, which I think is one of the best sports movies of this uh, century. Uh, that's the uh, MMA movie with Tom Hardy. Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. I, I would say this is another solid entry into uh, this guy's uh, sports movie, you know, oeuvre. But uh, it's it's not a wildly uplifting movie in the way that you might think but it's uh it is really well done and uh, Ben Affleck is really good in it he's very understated and there's uh, something very believable when Ben Affleck plays a an alcoholic broken individual that he does he does sad really really well unfortunately I mean, it's too bad he's done a lot of a lot of, lot of background work he did into that character for years <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen a lot of reviewers or not a lot I've seen a few reviewers say that it's like probably instantly in the top five for him uh, performances. Like I, I could see that. Yeah. I don't know exactly where I would rank it, but it's, uh, it's definitely up there. It's he's, he's so often picking movies that are bad for him right. and his talents that uh, when he winds up in something that he's so kind of perfect for it is, it does stand out. So I would recommend that it's a good movie from this year. Um, where'd you find it? It's on VOD on demand. Cool. Um, <clears throat> I, this is a movie from 2007 that I'd never seen before and I didn't know anything about, but uh, I Bangkok finally got Angels. around. 
I got around to Eastern Promises. Oh, so close mm. to Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> um, I loved this movie. Uh, have you guys seen Eastern Promises? Uh, I saw it when it came out in that like Oscar kind of run. Uh, I think they were both nominated, I believe. What is the other just, thing? Just Vigo. Just Vigo. Vigo and Naomi. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of getting into Vigo Mortensen as an actor around that point. Didn't really know much about him at that time other than Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember liking it a lot, but it wasn't super memorable to me, I don't suppose. I, I really, really like this movie because it's, it's you know, it's a mob thriller and it has it manages to have characters that are developed characters you care about villains that you really dislike uh, really, a really memorable fight scene. Uh, and the movie is only like an hour and 40 minutes long. And that's one of my favorite parts about it. I don't, I, I don't mean to sound to like sound more and more like my dad these days when it's just like, this movie's too long, but like there I'm starting to really appreciate you know, uh, efficient storytelling like that. I mean, yeah. I know at least Chris and I, I think all four of us have been on that for over a year now. This movie gets points if it can be great in 90 minutes. Yeah. 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 And this one is a hundred minutes long. Exactly. And it's, uh, it's fantastic, which makes it rewatchable if you can deal with the, uh, the, the bathhouse fight scene, which is, uh, excruciating to watch, but, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's David Cronenberg, right? Yes. Yeah, he's got a particular flair for making violence super visceral. I always think of this movie in connection to the movie that came out a couple of years before, History of Violence, also with Vigo. I kind of, you know, have the movies kind of connected for me, and both are, are definitely that way, and both, I think, are very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the arm wrestling scene in The Fly is still, like, the scariest scene I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> He's just an unnerving director who's got a touch for the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. I watched a 2016 movie that I'd never seen. Uh, actually, a couple, but they were both pretty good. Uh, Pete's Dragon, the remake of Pete's Dragon, which uh, have, have you guys seen that? Yeah, I watched it the past month or so. Did, uh, did you have any tie to the original growing up? Yeah. I mean, I had like the, you know, audio book for kids or whatever that I listened to a ton when I was little. Mm-hmm. I remembered watching it, but I didn't, I couldn't have told you many elements from that movie. It's been a long time since I'd seen Pete's dragon, but the, uh, the new one, I just kind of watched on a whim the other day. And uh, I really, I mean, I, I didn't love it. It didn't reinvent the wheel, but it was, it was, it was really sweet and really I, cute. I, I think in the original he's imaginary, but that's the story. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um, it's like the boys escape. Uh, and then with this, they went the complete opposite of there's a dragon living in the Redwood Forest or whatever. Yeah. At what point yeah. in this movie does the dragon stuff bagpipes in its asshole? <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> a favorite part of the final season of Game of Thrones. Answer the question, Brent. When does the dragon get the bagpipes out of its asshole? It's a post-credits stinger. It's just... Uh, Nick Fury <laughs> shows, shows up. <laughs> yeah. James bagpipes in the stuff swarm in its butthole, um, <laughs> uh, but but I don't know if you, you know if you're if you have kids of the appropriate age, I suppose this would be a a fun little movie for it's. It's a good kids uh, movie. That's what it is though. It is ET updated, but with you know a dragon. Buttholes. It is a lot of a lot of the, yeah with buttholes. It's it's the uh, 
the butthole cut. Um, <laughs> um, again, I recommend it lightly. Um, also watch the, uh, the most recent, the third Star Trek movie from uh, the new series, the Justin Lin one. Yeah, um, I supposedly watched that. <laughs> supposedly? Well, did, did you? I mean, I logged it. I just don't remember anything about it. It seems so forgettable. Was that because you were doing a, an awards push and this was nominated for makeup? No, I generally liked the first movie. And then I think the second one, is that the second one the one with Idris Elba? Benedict no, third one. Oh, that's the third one. Okay, well, I remember Idris Elba. And, uh, oh, yeah, this one won an Oscar. No, it was nominated for makeup. Okay. They lost his Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oscar-winning film. Yeah. I never saw this, but the only thing I remember about it is TJ's vote for it for makeup is like, they gave that nice girl a zebra face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's pretty. Um, yeah, so I, I liked it. I, I didn't think it was great, but I, I liked it probably as much as I liked the first Star Trek, the J.J. The Abrams simply titled Star Trek movie. I liked it better than the Benedict Cumberbatch one. Um, well, it was definitely my third favorite. If, mean, if people have problems with uh, Star Trek Into Darkness because of how action-oriented it gets, uh, this movie does not solve those problems in any way. It is just lots of punching and solving problems through punching. Um, I, I really didn't... It's my third favorite because they did... It, I feel like it was like this, like right around the same time as Guardians 2. I feel like they committed the same sin is they took their team of people and they split them up again. Yeah. And it's like, now all of that chemistry that you had in the first two movies of all these people kind of playing off each other, now you've like dissected it in a way that I just don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. There's good and bad that comes from that because like in the second movie, I thought like uh, Scotty and Bones didn't really get enough attention. And I, I love those two characters. They're, yeah. They were, maybe it's just the casting of Carl Urban's really good as bones and, and uh, Simon Pegg is great as, as Scotty, but you're right. And this one, it does break up the team more, which is bad. And I would have liked to have seen the whole team together. And also they, they kind of don't know what to do with Uhura in this movie, in the yeah, third one. Yeah. Like she's just a bystander again, or she's having a fight with Spock again. Like I really feel like Zoe Saldana has been wasted in those movies, but uh, yeah. um, the, the upside, though, is that like Simon Pegg's character gets a a, a fun little storyline. So there's a trade off, and the the trade off is similar to Guardians in the same way. Like I had the same issues with Guardians, but also enjoyed kind of the like I don't know. There's a there's a right a push and pull to it. But yeah. um, the 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 villain Idris Elba is not really explained or developed particularly well in this movie. But yeah, that was uh, kind of my my joke in the beginning is that I don't remember the plot other than they're stranded and somebody's keeping them there. And the way they get stranded is they get attacked by the little mini bots from big hero six. That's what it looked like. I remember that. And then I think at some point, uh, Idris Elba says I'm, I'm black Superman. <laughs> Wait, that was Hobbs and Shaw. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a, uh, I don't know. That's an actor whose uh, movie career has not gone as excitedly as I thought it would. Uh, or his, or his like life right now. He's the t- positive test for coronavirus. Right. I still say the best I've seen Idris Elba act is The Office. <laughs> That's <laughs> his best character. Because I, b- I believe he's in The Wire. Is that correct? Yes. And yes. <laughs> Permanently. Yeah. And I would, I would, I would vehemently recommend Luther 
Yes. I watched the first episode of Luther and it gave me the heebie-jeebies too much and I quit. <laughs> then don't watch the rest of Luther. <laughs> that's, that's what Brent said. So I stopped. Uh, <laughs> He's yeah, also really good in Beasts of No Nation, Kerry Joji, Fukunawa. Yeah. I haven't seen that either. That's why The Office <laughs> remains number one. <laughs> yeah, office or a movie about child soldiers. Yeah. Every time. It's like The Office is just this crazy repository for every actor's best performance. Kathy Bates, don't know what else she's in. Great in the office. James Spader, apparently he's in a show about Boston, but he's great in the office. Will Ferrell, funny guy, great in the office. Will Ferrell, you mean from the office? <laughs> that Will Ferrell? So I uh, watched one more movie, and it's another 2020 on-demand movie. Uh, it's called Bloodshot with Vin Diesel. The trailer looks fucking hel- hilariously fun. Um, Tell me about Bloodshot. <laughs> this, so I, I I knew nothing of the comic series that this is based on. Do you have any familiarity with? with you knew Bloodshot? more than me. No, <laughs> I knew that it was a comic series. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's news. I mean, it was news to me earlier when I found out that Doolittle was based on a book. <laughs> um, my favorite joke of Doolittle. I forgot to tell y'all real quick. Sorry, Brett. Is uh, it smells like Doolittle made a doo doo. <laughs> they say that joke. Three times. All right, I'm meeting TJ. Does anybody ever ask him to do more? Uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's the kind of joke that this that movie was on par with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have been um, a writer for this shitty movie. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Uh, no, it's this movie is uh, perfectly not good enough to uh, <laughs> deserve full attention. Um, no, Bloodshot is... Uh, so the, the basic story is uh, Vin Diesel plays this badass soldier who uh, gets killed at some point and he um, his body is his body is re is uh, reanimated by these scientists in some lab with basically they 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 six million dollar man him and they give him some bionic abilities and he's uh, except it's uh it's like latter-day Iron Man uh, technology, so it's just nanobites that can just do whatever you need them to for the, for the sake of the plot. And um, they are in his blood, and they can fix him whenever he gets cut or shot or anything, and it's just, it's just that. So he's invincible. But, um, yeah, the, the, the start of the movie uh, sets up his story, which is his, uh, when, before he's killed, he, he watches some guy torture his wife and his wife is killed. And, uh, so he decides he's going to go get his revenge. Um, and I will say the movie does an interesting, uh, turn about 40, 45 minutes into the movie where you realize that maybe the plot of the movie, is not the actual plot of the movie. Um, which, is interesting, but it's just not really handled in a particularly great way. Um, there's, there's something, there's something more at play in his story that you, you don't really realize until later on. Um, but I thought you were just going to say, but then you realize that was just like accidental filmmaking and it is the boring plot you thought it was all along. <laughs> uh, no, the, the, the plot itself is probably the highlight of the movie. The, the problem is just the, I, I, I don't, I don't know why a lot of the people were cast in this movie. Guy Pierce plays the the scientist who put him together again. And three Guy Pierce. Nice. Mm-hmm. And uh Lamorne Morris is in this movie inexplicably, uh playing a British hacker. Uh you would know him as uh 
you know, Winnie the Bish from New Girl. But uh, Oop, try again. oh, okay. Was he he's in the in, office ever? No, but he's in uh, uh, Game Night. Yeah. So uh, this guy, I got it up right here. Like, I like Lamorne and Morris. I don't. Uh, do you think he was just like looking at Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven and like, hey, let me try that? Very possibly. It's <laughs> weird, and uh, very little about this movie makes sense. Um, there are a few cool action scenes, but there are too few cool action scenes, unfortunately. And so, uh, I do not recommend Bloodshot, Bloodsport, Bloodshot, Bloodshot. Uh, I do recommend. You do recommend Bloodsport. <laughs> <laughs> the movie has like an old look to it like it, it looks there's like a, a greenish tint when they're in a computer lab and there's uh i mean it's very like post matrix uh movies that came out in in the early 2000s and vin diesel walks around in a wife beater like he did in every movie he was in from 2002 to 2007 or so and it's just the whole play, even the the like the bones of the plot, which is the, the like the the wife being murdered and everything, and he needs his revenge. It's like, I thought you got out of these movies, Vin. Like I thought, I thought you escaped this, this stuff. That's all that Dominic Toretto's drive is in Fast and Furious is is, like, whoever killed one of the members of their family, <laughs> which is the code name for their crew, Dominic Toretto wants to go find them and kill them. He also can't get Groot to fight for shit unless you piss him off. As I was say, he, his movies are increasingly just uh, still about family. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just, it, it, they're just blockbusters now instead of like a man apart. But uh, yeah, this movie is disappointing, but um, I'm sure it's going to find its fans out there. It's, it's definitely a throwback movie. It, felt, it feels like it came out when I was in high school. Yeah, I'm going I'm to watch it. I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear anything you said and that in an alternate timeline, you said it was surprisingly good and it was a lot of fun and I would recommend it. For the three of us, different from Dave. We don't listen to each other. <laughs> just, just space out for five minutes while Brent's saying what the movie's actually like. He's <clears throat> like, oh, Bloodshot. Oh, cool. <laughs> I mean, TJ and I did put in some honest work to try and find out if Lamorne Morris was ever in the office. <laughs> uh, but that's it for me Newer. he's really good new girl if it's any consolation yeah he's great so do we want to uh, have a quick combo about Survivor I think we're already at like an hour in the podcast yeah we can do it real quick I mean I guess we should just at least mention that Tyson's back yes who's uh, back yeah and uh, Boy, David, my... did you have a preseason pick David uh, my previous pick was Yule. Yule, not looking as good. Uh, three of us, though, like there's a, a solid chance. I mean, a 33% chance that one of us has the, the winner. I think Chris's was Sophie, uh, Brent's was Tyson. Tyson, and mine was Jeremy. All three looking good, yeah. Right about now, well done. we were uh, one thing I want to discuss too is that Jeremy's power without our immunity without power advantage. Uh, he can use it. Uh, it, it expires. Uh, oh. we, we think when it goes from ten to nine, um, the 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 wording on the advantage is a little weird. But I can't uh, imagine Survivor would purposely dupe anybody. So I think he has. Uh, once there's ten people left in the main game, 
uh, he can still play it. But uh, I don't know. I was talking with Al a little bit. I feel like that's an advantage that might be best not being played if you don't feel like you're in trouble. So from what I understand, he can still go to tribal council. He has to play it before the vote right. and leave. Yeah. Which is a great tool if you think you're in trouble. And just, it'll create instant chaos. Right. Um, if you've got six or seven people voting on you, that all of a sudden can't. Yeah. Um, I would love to watch that travel, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, something to keep an eye out on uh, the next – Two weeks, I think, is is how often he has to play it. Do you have the Brent? Do you know the the verbiage on on that advantage? I was literally just looking for it, and I couldn't I can find tell anything. you were. Um, I think I have it. Uh, sorry, I think there's a lot of speculation. It can be played at the final ten, but even the there's questions as to whether that's true or not, and nobody's answered those questions. So yeah, and I'm I'm sure Jeremy does uh no you know what i mean i'm sure they're he's communicating with production and they yeah. made it clear to him when he can use it and when he can't yeah um but i think the wording on it says like you can play it until there's 10 people left like that kind of wording you know and some people are like does that mean you can play it you can't play it at the 10 person travel and my thought is there's no way survivor words it that way if they mean the last time you can play is when you left but they're not out there trying to confuse people with verbiage on advantages. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't benefit the show for the right to be unclear. Also, I think that there's enough producer <laughs> influence, and uh, that like Jer- Jeremy probably has available to him uh, a producer who he can say like, "Hey, I just want to be clear on the rules to this advantage," and I bet they like tell him. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But. Shaping up to be pretty good. We'll see what happens. Uh, Rob and Natalie both have idols. If they make it back in at six or seven or five, whenever they do that, that is interesting. And I do think they're probably, uh, as uh, EOE is set up right now, the two favorites to get back in. Um, that doesn't mean Jeremy or Tyson or you know Denise won't be there getting in their way mm-hmm. next time we do this. But yeah, still a good season, great season. Um, if you listen to any Survivor podcast, I don't know, Brent, have you looked at Christian's uh, podcast at all, or at least seen the runtime on it? I have weirdly, uh, I'm sure it's long. Christian is legendary for his uh, super long. He's uh, done a Christian four hour does a before. Survivor interview about this season, and it is four hours long. Yeah, that's typical for him. <laughs> yeah. He talks um, about it for four hours about strategy and while he's like. while he stands on a pole. Yeah. You ever had creme brulee, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> Macarons. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as Wendell, I think Wendell was on a lot of people's shortlist for uh, targets this episode just because of the, the way his last few votes have been going. And, um, yeah, the, he kind of he cracked this season midway through, and it happens, and he'll have a second chance, I suppose. Yep. Yeah. Well, do we want to, David? I think I, I want to skip the challenge this week. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Let, let's talk about it after the next episode, where people know the twist. Now it might be a good time to jump into it since we're already going uh, decent. Yeah, I think me and, me and Cass are going to give it a college try this year. 
even though it looked uh Brent was like it looks more industrial than I remember and I was like I don't know but maybe this season is me and Brent had a conversation where we sounded like two 85 year old people talking about kids tv (laughs) maybe this season I think this season's a little different than normal seasons not real sure that would be awesome if you guys jumped on yeah they are they are speaking for Brent I'm talking about me (laughs) They're they're in they're in like an old fallout shelter in the Czech Republic, as opposed to normally they're in these like massive like lavish villas. Do they still like find bars to go to in Eastern Europe to go get wasted at? Yeah, actually, <laughs> David, they they promoted that for next episode. Oh, okay. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Like, Wait, we can't remove booze. That's just stupid. There is a really fun. I, this is the second time this, I've done this. Where I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it. And then I can talk about it. But the first elimination challenge is really fun. Uh, the TJ Lavin gets to ride around in a tank, crushing people's like. Uh, Oops. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the, the, the things that they need to haul this barrel across a field using a variety of different techniques. But if you're too slow, TJ Lavin will roll a tank over it, <laughs> and that's how you get disqualified. He's just like a kid in a candy store. And it's bet, hilarious. <laughs> Best job ever. Anybody got any breezy before we jump to our last segment, which is making its comeback? <laughs> Any breezy in by got? Nothing. Um, Go ahead. I did want to talk about uh, South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. That's that's big news. It was like really controversially still going to happen and then really controversially not going to offer refunds. And then, you know, I don't know what shook out from that, but South by Southwest is making available or is already made available all of the short films that were going to be exhibited there. And they're going to have a selection of their feature-length films, which we're going to debut at South by Southwest, available for online streaming. I don't know what the movie package is or how much it costs or whatever, uh, but it's a pretty fun thing to see a festival kind of adapt to this um, and to get filmmakers on board with it, um, which I, I think that they would want to anyway. Um, I think that, you know, real heroes are being made of the content producers who are making things more available. Mm-hmm. Um like I know that like internet group Rooster Teeth, they're like premium channels now free to everything. Uh, on a podcast I was listening to, it's funny to me, like Pornhub, their premium account is now like free to anyone. Just just like, you know, I think that, that there are some olive branches being extended to people who are like stuck in quarantine. And so it's good to see something kind of like stuffy, quote unquote, like a film festival be like, okay, we get that this isn't ideal circumstances. So here are these movies that would debut to an empty theater if it weren't for festival buzz. So here they are for the internet. And they're paired with Amazon doing that. So not even prom, like just free Amazon streaming. uh, Has anyone ever tried to do a, uh, like an online movie festival where people just buy tickets for, you know, movie access over a few days and then those movies get streamed and at a, maybe at a particular time and the directors are even available for like, you know, like a big zoom chat or something like that. Cause that would be interesting to do. Cause I know that's never that's heard of it, but I'm sure it's happened and is probably getting ready to happen. Right. Yeah. So, so there's like for, for like, uh, esports, it's, it's kind of common for, uh, um, like their live championships, that there will be like a ticket that you can buy. I know that for like, um, uh, at least for like World of Warcraft and for uh, Overwatch and then outside of Blizzard for like League of Legends and for uh, Dota 2, all those tournaments, they'll sell like tickets 
and I'm using my hands to show you what it, the size of the ticket, but these are not there. They're in the internet. Um, but yeah, so they'll, they'll sell like for virtual attendance and you just go in, you type in a thing and it gives you access to the stream. They do it for sports too. Yeah. Like it's weird. Like Atlanta United had like signed some kid from Brazil as their esports player uh, to play like FIFA 2020 or whatever competitively. It's real. It's a bizarre and very interesting uh, culture. Yeah. But so just to say that like it's happening there. So I feel like the infrastructure and the technology and like the actual like logistics of it have been figured out by people who make lots of fucking money doing it. Um, that I feel like, you know, if South by Southwest could like slam these people into it, like one big group chat, then they could, you know, put something on that would be similar. It would yeah. be, it would be neat to see. Mm -hmm. Great question, Brent. All right. We'll take the next one from uh, David. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's a great idea, especially people taking small films to that festival and trying to get eyes on it. I mean, they're the most hungry eyes possible across the nation right now. It's great kind of synergy to uh, to do that strategy. And with all those shorts coming out for free now to watch, uh, huge for a uh, probable Oscar push, if that's your thing, come November, December. Mm -hmm. Might be able to cross off a bunch of shorts early, um, which is something that's always hard to find come December. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think Brent and I are leading the Oscar death race with watching Onward. Oh, I guarantee you Doolittle gets a special effects nomination. It's the only thing good about the movie. I'm going to have to watch it? Yeah, I think everybody's going to have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> good news is 90 minutes. It just feels like it's 90 hours. So that's the bad part. <laughs> I don't want to watch it. <laughs> uh, I say guarantee. I guess, I, I mean, I will not be surprised is what I mean. Mm. Fucking Suicide Squad 1. So. Um, what to Watch is back, by the way, in our final segment. Uh, Welcome back. Shout out to firstshowing.net. They've updated their list. We've been using them for a couple of years now uh, to tell us what's coming out and releases. And they've updated it with VOD, um, parentheticals after movies, or uh, Netflix or Amazon, whoever's getting the movie. So good job. Buddy. Awesome. But uh, this Friday, we've got three movies releasing. Uh, uh, Trolls World Tour is out. The only Trolls movie I'll ever watch because our podcast overlords the McElroy brothers <laughs> uh, are, are in it and that's been a running gag for a few years now um, Sea Fever is coming out on video on demand um, what's that about it's an Irish science fiction thriller uh, the misfortunes of a crew of a uh, West Ireland trawler marooned at sea struggle for their lives against a growing parasite in their water supply um don't think it's supposed to be good. Not seeing anything uh, newsworthy about it. The only newsworthy thing on the Wikipedia page for Sea Fever is that Tony Collette was originally considered for the starring role, and then that she's not in it. She's, they didn't, they didn't, she's not the star. Yeah, Connie Nielsen is playing the lead <laughs> in that. Uh, and then Netflix is getting a movie called Tiger Tail, which I didn't hear about until today, uh, doing pre-show prep. But... Um, it's uh, about after a hard childhood growing up in Taiwan, uh, a guy moves to America where he wants to start a new life, uh, even though he leaves his love and home behind, um, ends up having a, having a daughter. And it's kind of just a, a drama about his life, but it's directed by Alan Yang, who was a creator of Master oh, of yeah. Parks and Rec. Um, he did the Forever series on Amazon, the Fred yeah. Armisen, Maya Rudolph one. Yep. Um, so, 
Uh, that's on Netflix on Friday. So I'll probably check out uh, Tiger Tail, even though I know I'll check out Trolls World Tour. <laughs> I'm definitely going to recommend Tiger Tail. Yeah, uh, do Tiger Tail. I'll do Sea Fever. <laughs> and I want to recommend Trolls World Tour just to show TJ that it can be pronounced. Shut up, <laughs> ass <thick. laughs> Has anyone ever seen the first Trolls movie? No, I have no idea what it's about. Uh, what do you have? I, I have an idea of what it's about. <laughs> Is it about I watched Trolls? It. Harriet liked it. So it's got that going for it. It's good for a two-year-old. Well, cool. Well, barring any other business, I think that I will end this podcast by doing all the words that I normally say. Do it. All right. This has been Talkie Talk, the podcast from the MediaBias.com. You can find us on Facebook, TTV Bias, Movie Bias, Games Bias. Send us an email, TheMediaBias at gmail.com. Tweet at us at the media bias. You've really got nothing better to do. Uh, well, I mean, except for taking care of yourself and washing your hands and raising kids and probably some of you are still working. Anyway, uh, give us a rating on your favorite podcatching app. Uh, five stars would be much appreciated. Uh, we're trying to get these podcasts still out to you weekly. Um, I want to give a special thanks to the Willow Walkers for the intro music. Willow and thanks to Burifa for the outro. Burifa! And, and an apology to Burifa for not actually including their outro last week. But, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry! <laughs> uh, and then that's it so I want to thank you guys for joining me thanks David see you thanks Brent thank you thanks DJ see you bye everybody bye. bye guys kicking rocks down old dusty roads small town slow pokes long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know